God had forgiven their sin and would again establish a firm and lasting foundation. Victory and happiness would be theirs, and the scattered tribes shall be gathered from every part of the world and serve the Lord in their own chosen land. But there's another side he writes to this picture. They shall not receive this prince, this shepherd, when he comes. The second burden is concerned with events chiefly in the future, but all connected with Israel and her type of government. The prophet sees Jerusalem surrounded with enemies, but saved by the intervention of Jehovah, who strengthens the people to fight this war. This great deliverance shall be followed by a national repentance, which shall be deep and full, resulting in the abolition of the very memory of idols and false prophets, and a Jennifer General purification of the people. The people had served the false gods of other nations. They said, it's okay if we bow down to your gods. It's okay if we follow your laws and your commands. And God says, no, that's not okay for you to do what you want to do. Act how you want to act. I've given you law. I've given you commands. I've given you a way to follow. And one day you're going to be delivered from this. And you will repent as a people. And you will return to me. Recurring to the statement of the rejection of the shepherd, the prophet shows the result of this sin. The shepherd smitten, the sheep are scattered, and a remnant only is saved through much tribulation. Then Jerusalem is introduced vanquished, plundered, desolate. When suddenly the Lord comes to her rescue, mighty convulsions of nature accompany his appearance. He raises the holy city to its highest splendor. The enemies perish in terrible fashion. And all that are left to the nation shall come there to worship. And everything from this point on will say, Holiness belongs to the Lord. This is the future that Zechariah sees. This is what he says to the children of Israel. Even when they're hurting and distraught and say, We no longer do the work. He says, The prince is coming. But you're going to reject this prince. So when Jesus came riding on that donkey that day, the crowds worshipped him. Zechariah sees the future of the prince coming. The prince comes directly into the temple and the crowds lay all this stuff down at his feet. They throw the palm branches down. They throw their coats down. They throw everything down and they worship him and him alone. Why did the crowds worship Jesus on that day? They had no reason to honor him. They had no reason to thank him. They had no reason to lift him up. Temple worship had once again been corrupted. Remember when Jesus walks in, he gets mad. He says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Here, you need to make a little sacrifice to your king. Buy these two turtle doves. Buy this rotten lamb. Buy this and buy that. They were buying and selling in the house of God. And Jesus said, my house was not made to be like this. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Their heart had not changed toward God or his law. They still did their own things. Their heart went into serving him or following him. Rome still ruled over them. Sickness and pain surrounded them. Their leaders remained corrupt. So why lay all this down at Jesus' feet? Nobody would listen to the Lord Jesus. Nobody wanted to follow him or serve him. But yet on this day, they lay it all down. Why did they do this? Why did the crowd yell Hosanna in the highest? Because 
because Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. This is who the Lord God Almighty chose to save mankind. And now he's walking down here to be baptized to me when I need to be baptized by him. Because he had the power to forgive sin. What do you mean you can forgive sin? God's given me the right. He's given me the priority. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Because he had the power to feed the hungry. There's so many people out here, Lord Jesus. How are we going to take care of them? He said, feed them. How are we going to feed them? What do you got? We only got these five loaves and two fishes. That's enough. Have them sit all around and I will feed the hungry. Because he had the power to heal the sick. They laid that man down. Jesus first forgave his sin and then he healed him. Lord, come quickly. My daughter's sick unto death. Lord, come quickly. My son is sick and they need you. Jesus says, I will come to them and I will heal them. One man had so much faith. He said, don't even come to my sinful house, but only say the word and my servant will be made whole. Jesus had the power to heal the sick. Because he had the power to correct all the leaders. Go ahead and do what your leaders tell you to do. But don't act like them. Look at them. Make them big long prayers. Look at the fancy clothes they wear. Look at them say, look at me and follow me. Don't be like them, he said. Jesus put the leaders in their place. Because he had the power to investigate a man's heart and turn that heart around. A man in whom is no God. Can anything good come from Nazareth, the disciple asked? And Jesus says, I want him to follow me. He looked at people when they came to him and he looked at their hearts and he said, that's not what's in your heart. That's not what you really want to do. That's not what you want to say. But I have come and I will look into your heart. I will investigate your heart and I have the power to turn your heart around. Because he had the power to control nature. Peter says to him, Lord, bid me come. Walk on that water, young man. And he starts walking on the water. Jesus down in the boat asleep and the storm's coming and the waves are raising up. And they come down and say, Jesus, don't you care about us? He said, what's the matter with you guys? Have you been with me this long? And Jesus calmed the storm. Because he had the power to raise the dead. If you would have been here early, Father... Lazarus, our brother, would not have died. Don't you got nothing to worry about? Where is he at? I will raise him from the dead. For all these reasons on that one day, all these people gathered together and said, King of kings, Lord of lords, Hosanna in the highest. You are God. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the Lord God Almighty. And we will worship and we will honor you on this day because God has heard his word. Why? Why do we worship him with such an outward praise? Why come to this church and ask the little kids to bring up palm branches and come up here and stand in a circle? Why march in a line? Why does the choir get up and sing such a fantastic song to glorify the Lord? Why such an outward praise to somebody that we've not really seen? Or maybe somebody we don't really honestly know. Why give him such 
praise this morning because his predictions have been and are being fulfilled. Destroy this temple in three days and God will raise it up. There ain't no way he's going to raise up that temple. He's talking about himself. He says to the disciples, you see the glory of this church house? You see all the gold and all this stuff? And one day, they're going to come in and they're going to tear it down. And they say, God will not allow his temple to be destroyed. In 70 AD, it was decimated and they were wasted. What Jesus said came true and what he says about the future will come true as well. Because he's lifted the curse of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Paul talks about this over and over in the book of Romans. That Jesus died for the lost man. And that curse of sin that separated us from God. The curse that done us in death and hell and the grave. Is no longer a part of our lives. Because when he rose from the dead. He defeated it. And because of that he is worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory. And worthy of all honor. He lifted that curse. Because he's made both Jew and Gentile one in him. They couldn't understand this in the book of Romans. How did God give the law and that he's going to save all men by faith? He put all men under sin in the same way so that he can save them all the same way. Whether Jew or Gentile, he brought everybody to the cross. And Ephesians says, that Paul says in Ephesians, that at the cross, every man is the same. We're no longer known by nationalities or race or color, those things. We are known by the King of kings and Lord of lords. At the cross, everybody is same. Today, or maybe yesterday, depending on what time you live in, Christians all over the world celebrate Palm Sunday. They come into the house of God with their psalms. They lift up their hands. They raise their hearts. They raise their voice to the Lord. They sing to him glory and honor and praise. No matter where they're at in life, they are one. Because Christ Jesus on the cross made us one. Why give him all this outward praise? Because he saved our souls. And he made us alive in him. We were lost and undone without the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, however it happened, we heard him say, Here I am. I love you. I died for you. I rose again for you. Maybe the little kids don't understand all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe they do it in their own minds for fun. Maybe the adults, they don't, all adults in all kinds of churches don't bring palms into the sanctuary and lift palms up and do all those things. Everybody in their own way worships God different. But one thing they do is they come to the house of God because in somewhere he has changed their lives and he has done something in them. And for that and that alone Every Sunday should be a Palm Sunday. Every Sunday should be a praise. Every Sunday should be a worship. Every Sunday should be some kind of glory to the King of Kings who changed our lives, who made us alive, and everything that was broken, everything that was hurt, everything that was down, He makes it right. Zechariah, he saw the future. 
The crowds on that day when Jesus came riding on that donkey, they lived in that moment in the future. Your prince is coming riding on a donkey, but he's not going to be like a prince you've ever seen or ever known, but he's going to come meek and lowly in heart, and you will worship him. And they did, and on that day, they lived the future in that moment. This morning, in our church, you and I extend the future that Zechariah talked about, the crowds lived, and Jesus is going to bring to fruition one day. How do we extend the future of God in our lives as a body of Christ? By the way we live our lives, what he's done in our hearts, and how we share that with other people. We extend it by preaching the gospel and saying, one day this king is going to come back. One day he's going to appear in the clouds. One day he's going to make it right. And he's going to drop right in that temple. And everybody's going to worship him. Whether they want to or not, everybody will proclaim him as king of kings and lord of lords. The alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's God. He came riding through that temple. He came riding in our hearts. And one day he's going to appear in the clouds. And he's going to make everything whole. You and I. This morning, in this worship service, we extend that out into this community and wherever we go. Zechariah saw the future. The crowds got to live in the future on that day. And we are blessed to extend that future wherever we take ourselves outside of this church house. Thank God for the Lord Jesus. He will come back one day and we will honor and we will worship him and give him the glory that he deserves. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for Palm Sunday, which kicks off Holy Week for us. On this day, Lord, we brought in the palm branches and we worshiped you in singing. We worshiped you in praise. We worshiped you with our offerings and our prayer concerns and all the things that we do as a body of believers. But help us, Lord Jesus, not just to worship you as the children of Israel did with all the outward appearances and observances, but let us worship you with our hearts, God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Follow and serve the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who died and rose again for us. Thank you that you are our king. You are the prince of peace, the one who saved our souls, healed our bodies, and makes everything right. And Lord, as we leave today and we enter into the Holy Week, Lord, let us remember the great sacrifice you made on our behalf. And call us, Lord, call us to follow you and to serve you and to honor you with everything we say and do. May your spirit fall on us and use us for your glory. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.